0: You are listening to WTUZ Radio
1: Podcast.
0: Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's topic is... um, An update, again, on what's going on with the economy. Um, I got this particular story from a YouTuber that does, uh, his his main thing is real estate. Uh, This is John Williams, is the uh, YouTube page. And uh, this particular update that he gave was about something that is going on in the Netherlands. And it's regarding the farmers uh, and it's going to lead to food shortages um, and possibly an indication of worldwide food shortages. Okay, so I'm bringing this topic for a couple of folds. Number one, of course, is awareness. Uh, But the second and most important is uh, for everyone to just always be prepared and also to truly understand that we are literally in the throes of a major global reset on every level, okay? So not only financially uh, and that's going to, of course, impact everything we've talked about, the currency that will eventually be switched out from paper currency to digital. Um, and now we are on the flip side as we talk about uh, agricultural. And of course, the most important thing that's really driving the global reset is the spiritual reset Uh, Because there is a shift in the planet's natural energy with the vibrations rising. So uh, the controllers like to keep a hold or in control of that frequency. Okay. So they can remain in rulership. Okay. So all of these things are connected. All right, so uh, this first particular article is from the Epic Times. And uh, this is called, uh, Dutch farmers protest policies that could drive them out of business and fuel global food shortages. Okay, Dutch farmers are protesting new climate policies they say will force them to kill off livestock and drive them out of business. Okay, so you understand what they're saying? Uh, Someone is telling them what they can grow, and in this case, livestock, okay? Now, we know these policies also exist in the U.S., With farmers, specifically on the crop side with fruits and vegetables, when farmers are getting farm subsidies, they are paid bonuses to either grow additional crops or do the opposite, to pull back on crops. Now, the justification that they give over in the US for doing these things uh, they claim, claim is the operative word, based on supply and demand, and the biggest claim that they make is to control prices, okay? Um, so, for example, corn, I'm not sure if it's still highly subsidized, but it was at one time because it was uh, a crop that was going to be used. They said... For energy, uh, but corn-based products are also used for other things as well. Okay, so I don't know if corn is still highly subsidized. A farmer would have to drop in the comment section and give us a uh, more insight on that. So um, that's just one example. I know milk is another example that uh, receives a lot of. Government subsidies and therefore sometimes farmers dump milk uh, and etc. Okay, so just giving you an example of how the world commerce is really controlled, it is highly controlled and specifically on down to the food supply which is extremely, extremely important that you understand these things, especially with this reset going on. That's why it is important for you to make sure you are prepared. So, okay, so let's continue. Dutch farmers are protesting new climate policies that say they will force them to, to take out livestock and drive them out of business. Policies, which some argue also will drive up consumer food prices and contribute to the global hunger crisis. The new Dutch policy stems from a 2019 court order that nitrogen compound pollution in the Netherlands will have to be cut by 70 to 80%. But as Dutch News reported, The government's strategy to take a regional approach to the issue will lead to major problems in parts of Gilderland and Nord, Barbrandt, where livestock farming is concentrated and a number of vulnerable habitats are being seriously damaged. To meet the new rules, the amount of livestock farming will have to be reduced drastically, and that means some farmers will have to be bought out and shut down their operations. According to a recent report by journalist Kim Iverson, the farmers in the most regulated areas would essentially be put out of business. Now, interestingly enough, um, as I'm reading through this, what brings to mind with, um, in the U.S., there is this uh, subliminal push for veganism um, and vegetarianism and a slew of uh, alternative um, veggie meat or non-meat products. And I have in passing heard this same argument about the amount of resources it takes to maintain uh, livestock, okay? Um, And which, you know, I'm not going to dispute that. Um, Now, as far as this being too much nitrogen pollution, uh, okay, I don't know about that. I would have to dig into it to see if they're full of mess on that. But if we really think about it, the amount of beef, supposedly and allegedly beef, that these large fast food chains are using, and y'all know which one in particular I'm talking about, the one with the arches, the golden arches, Right there, you know something isn't correct because number one, the amount of beef that that particular chain, just that chain alone puts out, there aren't enough livestock in the U.S. to even cover that, okay? So those of you that are eating that particular chain's food, and I would question the other ones as well, especially when it's pertaining to the meat. You might want to second guess that because it's not possible for that to be 100%, okay? So I'm saying all that to say they're full of mess. That This sounds like a reset on what they want the populace to eat. And I'm going to even go as far, now this is just my personal opinion, I'm even going as go as far to say they're going to start to make these particular uh, livestocks extinct. All right? All right, so let's continue. With the latest round of tightening of regulations, the Dutch government has announced more multi-billion dollar buyout arrangements, but has also stated they would expropriate the land from farmers who do not comply. Iverson said, they'll take their land. Wow. Iverson quoted, Staghauer, the Dutch minister of agriculture, nature and food quality, who said there is not a future for all farmers within this approach. Staghauer offered to begin negotiation with the farmers, Iverson said, but only on the condition that participants condemn the demonstrations taking place in response to the new policy. Oh, yeah. So, you don't want the public to know what's going on. Oh, okay. But, as Iverson reported, the protests haven't died down, as they shouldn't. Good uh, good for you all in the Netherlands. Protesting farmers sprayed manure on a local town hall. Oh, child, they a mess. Protesting farmers sprayed manure on a local town hall and dumped a truckload of manure in front of the home of Dutch Minister of Nature and Nitrogen policy. Some farmers even brought their cows to a protest outside the Dutch parliament. Others have blocked roads and highways, causing major traffic jams and blockade parts of the German-Dutch border with help from freight and dock workers and fishermen. In response, police fired tear gas on demonstrating farmers and military tanks were brought in to try to clear the blockades. Similar to events that transpired in Canada during the truckers' convoy, uh, there earlier this year, the Dutch government also called in tow truck companies to remove tractors. But according to Iverson, they're refusing to get involved. Shout out to the Dutch. Shout out to the Dutch. Meanwhile, Dutch media described the protests as extremists and the work of militants. Child. Iverson said, leading farmers to also blockade the headquarters of media outlets. Now, isn't this interesting that they're labeling folks as extremists or militants simply because they're telling the government, you don't have a right to not only destroy our livelihood, how we make a living, by farming, but also the right to tell us what to grow, what to feed the populace, okay? But they're the extremists. In the midst of the protest, the country's farmer citizen political party has soared to second place according to a recent poll. The party, which holds one seat in the Dutch parliament today, would increase its shares to 11 seats if elections were held today, uh, Iverson said. So I do want to play this uh, quick clip from um, Hill TV. They're also a good uh, channel. They do excellent work. Uh, Go over there, check them out, and subscribe. Uh, So let's see. What they have to say on this farmer uprising.
2: What's on your radar, Kim? Well, these past several days, massive farmer protests have broken out around the Netherlands. Dutch farmers are protesting new climate regulations that will close farms and force them to kill off livestock in order to curb nitrogen emissions. In response to the new regulations, which I'll explain in a moment, thousands of tractors and trucks blocked roads, distribution centers and parts of the German-Dutch border. Fishermen have joined in on the protests and begun blocking ports. Freight and dock workers have joined in on the protests as well. Manure has been sprayed in front of some of the government buildings. Media buildings have been blocked with tractors, trucks, and surrounded with poo over reporting that labeled the protesters as extremists and militants. There's talk of airports soon being shut down due to the blockades. Essentially, the Netherlands could come to a standstill. Something has clearly gotten these farmers very angry. So what are these regulations exactly? Well, about a month ago, the Dutch Minister for Nitrogen and Nature Policy presented a national and area-specific plan to reduce nitrogen greenhouse gas by anywhere between 12 and 70%, depending on the area. The farmers in the most regulated areas would essentially be put out of business. And the Dutch government even recognized this when unveiling the plan, saying, quote, there is not a future for all farmers within this approach. Basically, the government is putting you out of business and it's all in the name of the environment. Now we're used to talking about carbon emissions, but next on the chopping block seems to be nitrogen emissions. Nitrogen, which is a key nutrient for plants, is also a pollutant. Fertilizer that washes off the fields can end up in lakes and coastal areas, killing marine life. Airborne ammonia from things like power plants and engines contribute to smog and other environmental issues. But in farm-centric areas like the Netherlands, It mostly comes from livestock, urine, and manure. Now, in order to reduce nitrogen emissions, you would then have to reduce livestock. This obviously will affect, and even put out of business, livestock farms, but will also affect other areas of agriculture since many farmers use manure as fertilizer. And if we look to reduce nitrogen emissions, we can expect fewer meat farms and fewer grain farms since there'll be fewer livestock to feed. On top of this, artificial fertilizer prices have been skyrocketing lately. With the inability to use manure, those prices are only going to go even higher. Some farms who aren't even subject to these new nitrogen regulations will go under just because of inability to secure fertilizer for their farms. The ones that can stay in operation will of course pass those extra costs onto the consumer, driving food prices up even more than they are now. And with less meat on the market, we're looking at a serious price crisis. These Dutch farmers know this, and that's why not only are they protesting, But many are supporting them. The media's attempt to smear them as extremists hasn't worked. Recent Ipsos polls show that the relatively new Farmers Political Party formed in 2019 has shot up in popularity over the nitrogen emissions issue. Currently, the party holds one seat in the Dutch Parliament. But the polls show if an election were held today, they'd gain 11 more. And more support could be coming. The Netherlands is the second largest exporter of agriculture in the world behind the United States. And what happens to their farms affects us all. This isn't just a small crisis only affecting Amsterdam. So what's been the reaction by the Dutch government towards the protesters? Well, police have been using tear gas on the farmers and military tanks have been called in to deal with the blockades. The government has demanded tow companies begin towing tractors, but they're refusing to get involved. The Minister of Agriculture has offered to begin negotiations, but only on the condition the participants condemn the demonstrations. So this battle between farmers and regulations imposed by the government has been going on for the past few years. In 2015, the UN unveiled its 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, and in it are aggressive actions to curb climate change. In order to meet the metrics, the Netherlands has been ramping up regulations, despite farmers saying they needed time to adapt and to go slow, or they'll go out of business. The government initially agreed, but then climate activists soon sued and won. As a result, the government has had to go more aggressive against the farmers despite the consequences. And regarding climate metrics, the regulations have worked. The country's nitrogen footprint has decreased over the past five years in a row, but not because the farmers are adapting. Instead, since 2017, the pig population has been shrinking because the government has been paying farmers to close their businesses. With the latest round of tightening of regulations, the Dutch government has announced more multi-billion dollar buyout arrangements but as also stated, they will expropriate the land from farmers who do not comply. They'll take their land. As farms shut down due to either regulations, the government just taking them, or rising costs, we can expect the looming food shortage to get even worse. These farmers protesting are sounding the alarm bell. It isn't just their businesses that would be impacted, it's all of us. Sure, they're worried about their own survival, but maybe all of us should worry when we can't get the food we need because it's either not on the shelf or costs way too much. Now, climate and environment are extremely important issues and we should always work to improve our planet. But when people can't get to work or put food on the table, the question becomes whether or not we're going about this the right way. And I'm curious what you guys think, um, Robbie and Oli. what do you think about these, uh, I, I mean, look, climate and environment are extremely important, but so is food on the table. And so is putting gas in the car. And now we're seeing all these regulations and they're causing the price of, of goods to go up. These are people's everyday lives. This protest, by the way, so these protests have been going on in the Netherlands since about 2019. Massive protests have broken out in the, in the Netherlands. Massive. I mean, they put the trucker Freedom Convoy to shame with how massive these protests are. And they're very serious and they go hard. Uh, with you know what they do, putting manure all over the place and blockading roads and whatnot. Um, so these have been going on since 2019. Coincidentally, I suppose, or or you know, uh, you know, uh, happily I'm sure for the government, the pandemic then broke out. That then made the Dutch government go hard on the population and shut down a lot of these protests. But they're back, and they're back with a vengeance. And they're saying, look, you're putting more of us out of business. We will not be able to farm food so what is more important and this is the big question our ability to eat or climate change right
1: well i mean climate change is important right because we're looking at the disaster of the world right without a world if we go the direction that we're going there'll be nothing so i understand why so many people i understand why this is very important i cannot say one way or the other because obviously we have the pressing present day issues there's a chance you, me, and Robbie won't even be here, in the you know what I mean. At the time in which we see our world suffer the ultimate consequences of the direction we're going from the policy choices we're going, but I'm also inclined to be sympathetic and care about the future, the tomorrow. So I, I don't know. I'm gonna let you and Robbie <laughs> handle it because no, I can't I, pretend to be an expert on
3: well, this. Well, right. I mean, it won't surprise our viewers that I write very much default toward toward the other way, to not wanting regulations and restrictions, you know, prioritizing some distant future that makes us all suffer now, especially when that's suffering is it takes the the form of food people can't afford or gas prices they can't pay or or whatever else it is the issue with climate change which makes it so difficult because yes obviously we need to prioritize keeping the planet you know in existence Mm -hmm. is that our prediction we don't know exactly for sure right there's it's a range of predictions we we know we're negatively impacting the environment we have good ideas about what things we're doing that should be changed but we don't know exactly right there's it's a range of expectations that this this is how bad it could be by 2050 this is how bad it could be by you know 2100 um and it's you know it ranges from catastrophic you know constant superstorms or something to Eh, just kind of not so great if you happen to live on the coast you should probably live somewhere else right so that's a yeah. so it's diff we don't have absolute certainty for what the future is going to hold but we do know what you know the, the cost of some of these regulations are right now it's a lot of suffering so that's what makes the trade-off difficult in my view where it, it's a it's yeah. a it's an educated guess about how bad it will be and how much more will, will improve it because some environmental people will say it's too late it's all going to fall apart. We can't. There's nothing we can even do because we've already screwed up the, the planet so badly. And then others will say, "Well, we could make these improvements, but these aren't going to help." And so it's just a it's just a very difficult debate. But I, you can't ask people, you can't expect people, and any po- politician, and I will say this to Joe Biden, any po- political figure who expects people to put up with a lot of suffering right now, you know, for some distant goal in the future, is not is not playing good sort of is not playing the political right. game very smartly. Don't tell tell the people you're going to make them suffer right now.
2: And, you know, look, I'm somebody who's always been more of an environmentalist. I even wrote legislation, you know, proposed legislation to the government, an anti-deforestation legislation at one point, uh, you know, registered for Green Party at one point in my life. and I've I've been very much an activist for environment. However, I will say that, you know, back when I was 11 years old and I was proposing that legislation to the government, Um, the, the issue was I was told at 11 years old, and now I'm in my forties, I was told that doom and gloom was coming, that it's just right around the corner, that in my forties, I won't see trees, that there won't be any of this left. And of course, as a kid, I I was like one of the original sort of sunrise kids and I panicked and I thought, oh my gosh, well, we got to do something about this. And I became a, an environmental activist at the age of 11 years old. And now here I am. And there's, and we didn't hit that doom and gloom that we were told back at that time. Diane Feinstein has been sounding the alarm bell about doom and gloom uh, for decades. And again, you know, saying we only have 10 years left. We only have 10 years left. And that 10 years comes around and then we're not seeing that doom and gloom exactly happening. Now, we are seeing climate issues, of course, but they're not to that level. So telling a person they have to starve is a challenge when then you say doom and gloom is coming. But then the person looks at you and says, you guys have been saying this for literally 30, 40 years. I guess I have a slight, just a slightly different perspective on this, I guess, as it
1: pertains to the doom and gloom, because I'm from the Bahamas, right? I'm from Nassau, Bahamas. It's a tiny island, about 21 by 7. We're surrounded by water. And I very much so see the visible effects of climate control. When Mm -hmm. I went home just this year, the the water Mm -hmm. is coming up all the way, way past the shore. It's eroding our beaches. I very much so see the consequences, especially when you look at hurricane season. Hurricane season has been decimating family islands in the Bahamas these last few years because of the effects of climate control. So I just want to make sure I put out not because all of us are not experiencing i guess the major the major impacts of it in the doom and gloom does not mean other places in this world are not wildly affected so mm-hmm. i guess i would just want right. to make sure we be we recognize that perspective and be mindful right. of that
3: well and i
0: would- okay so um i in a great discussion uh by the hill if uh you're not familiar with them it's the hill tv go over on youtube and check them out uh they do and excellent job uh, covering um, major issues. And as you can see, they have different uh, views. Um, that's very well balanced. So um, shout out to The Hill TV. And I will leave a link in the description so you can uh, view this clip in its entirety. Um, so, you know, there you have it. Um I'll get back into the article and then I'll sum up just real quick. Uh, So we're saying the Dutch government's actions are attracting global attention, including in New Zealand, where the government prepared a report on the developments in the Netherlands. The report describes the Dutch government's policy as part of its long awaited plan to tackle the country's nitrogen crisis adding the bold plan zeroes in on Netherlands agricultural industry, calling for scaled emissions reduction across the country. The report references the Dutch minister of nature and nitrogen who said she expects about a third of the 50,000 Dutch farmers to disappear by 2030 in what is described by some experts as the greatest overhaul Okay. Uh, peep reset as the greatest overhaul of Dutch agriculture sector in history. These farmers are expected to disappear via the aforementioned voluntary buyouts on the part of the government, according to the New Zealand government report, drawing on a $25 billion uh, nitrogen fund to help farmers voluntarily quit relocate, or die, downsize their business and make them more nature-friendly. The New Zealand report details the compensation that would be provided to farmers who, voluntary, who voluntarily choose to downsize. Oh, boy, I told you. Dairy farmers that want to be bought out need to reduce their cattle stock by whew, 95% and permanently relinquish their right to increase stocks in future. For pig, chicken, and turkey farms, this percentage is 80%. The subsidy the farmers receive include compensation for losing production rights and for the value loss of the company. 270 million euro is reserved for dairy compensation, $115 115 million for chicken and turkey related compensation, and 115 million for pig related compensation. Whew. So there you have it. A um, great job by the Ep- uh, Epoch Times or Epic Times, and uh, also um, great job of coverage from the Hill TV. Um, Massive farmer protests rises up. Uh, And I'll put a link in the description to both, okay? So, family, again, pay attention. You are literally in the midst of a major reset. Now, I'm going to tell you, and and shout out to the folks that have been calling the climate uh, change folks out on their mess, all right? They have, out the gate, call them on their mess, out the gate, they were saying that your proposals that you are giving will wreak havoc on the economy, okay? Now, here's my stance on it. Because, of course, when I didn't know what I didn't know what I didn't know, and I was just getting all of my information from mainstream media back in the day and not doing my own research, and like uh, Kim Iverson from The Hill, you know, I grew up as a child, as, as one of the ones that, uh, you know, an, an environmentalist, per se, okay, and I'm still that way, but the way they've done environmentalists and the propaganda behind it, I peep game, I know what it is, okay? I'm more of a naturalist, natural versus environmentalist, okay? So I'm spot on, I can relate to her growing up doing projects on the environment, um, you know, I don't know, depending on your age, when it was a big deal about uh, tuna, with the uh, the way the fishermen were catching the tuna, they were uh, getting dolphins and whales caught up in there, maybe not so whales, they're huge. Um, but anyhow, other marine life, and they would just kill off that marine life, instead of putting the marine life back in sea. So therefore, uh, and this is for canned tuna, and I guess that would have been for sushi too, but I was young, so uh, my palate wasn't that expanded to be talking about no sushi. But, so, there was a boycott on tuna, okay? And I was young, I was one of them. Uh, nope, um, mom, I'm not eating it. Why? And I got to in it, She's like, okay, I I understand that. So I can clearly identify with what um, Kim Iverson is saying. Here's the thing, folk. As I've, of course, done my own research and really start to understand the impacts of their climate change stuff, and second of all, not only just the financial impact, but the alternatives let me be clear the alternatives that they are giving for climate change they're full of mess okay first example Out the gate, I can tell you, are the electric cars. And everybody that knows me knows that I'm not for the electric cars. When you're going to tell me you're going to take gas cars out of circulation, but you're going to put electric cars in circulation that uses a lithium battery, which is lethal and toxic because not only do you have to dig in planet Earth, to get said ingredients for lithium, and I think lithium is the ingredients, but of course they mix it with other stuff to make it toxic. You have to dig in earth and scrape up her body yet again. And then in order to, when those batteries go bad, which they do, they are toxic. So where are you going to put those batteries? How, how are you going to dispose of them? So you're trying to convince me that your swap out of an electric car is better than the gas. No, no, no. See, I'm not the one. You're running an okey-doke on the public, Okay. And it's stuff like this that makes folks that are against this climate change and control furious because we see the shenanigans for what it is, okay? Now, that's just one example with oil. Switching out from oil to batteries. Now, those may say, well, then, Rhonda, what are you talking about? What's the alternative? They know... And I know and those deep researchers and us nerd heads that both alternatives are low level and archaic. So meaning both oil and both lithium battery is archaic because the atmosphere has already innate natural energy that can be drawn and used. The earth herself has natural, organic, unlimited energy. She puts it out in the atmosphere via her frequency, okay? So we already know that. We know that this crap that they're using now is lower level technology based on what was used in the past, okay? The hidden history, okay? The history that, you know, you hear the term mud flood community. Shout out to the mud flood community, who's pointed out technology that was used and then during a major reset, i.e., quote, quote, natural disasters supposedly and allegedly and wars, that technology was taken out of circulation and we were put on the gas and their form of electricity. And if that's too much for you to digest, think of Nikola Tesla, who back in the late 1800s built prototypes up and running called the Tesla Towers to pull out energy from the atmosphere to power things. That's not to mention two other gentlemen and one recent gentleman that just quote, quote, transitioned That came up with a prototype for uh, vehicles to run on hydrogen, i.e., water. So there's really uh, they they can't get past me on that. Okay, now I'm I'm pausing because I have my TV in the background on the news, on pause, and a commercial just popped up for electric vehicles. Can't make it up. Cannot make this up. Uh, Propaganda is real. Nonetheless, that's just on that particular issue. Let's get on to farming. There is no excuse whatsoever for them to be running around talking about restricting what farmers can grow or not grow. The only exception of course should be if it's an ev- evasive species, which farmers wouldn't do that, that's defeating the whole point. But other than that, no. Now what should be done, and they know this, it's been studied, it's currently working, People that garden this way, we know the difference. But again, they are roosting the public. What needs to be done with farming is a total rehaul on how they are actually farming. So instead of farming the way that they've been taught over the last hundred so odd years, Uh, more of an industrialized, more of an industrialized way, what it needs to go back to was the way that ancestors farmed and how small farmers do it today and how gardeners, uh, small gardeners that are organic or whatever, myself included, does it. Okay, there is a way that you can set up these farms to be organic food forests. Go look it up. There's plenty of videos on it. It will blow your mind. And not only that, I am personally in garden groups where people have a nice size farms and they have livestock. From the cows, matter of fact, one of the people in my farming group, she gets down. They're they're out of Texas, her and her husband. When I tell you they get down, they get down. They have cattle, ducks, chickens. They get down. She just posted the other day, one of her um, cows had a calf. But they understand how to do organic natural farming via I'm using food forests as an example so meaning you're not approaching farming in an industrialized way which requires a lot of the pesticides which in turn are not only harmful but <clears throat> to the to the soil itself you're damaging the soil you're stripping out the natural Nutrients in the soil, the runoff when you're watering it gets into the water supply versus setting up your farm like a forest. Okay? Growing your crops in a similar fashion, in a companion fashion where naturally and organically things will grow in abundance. You will not need the heavy pesticides. And it's overall great for the environment. That's what needs to happen with farming. Now, the the second and most important thing, and I should have really led with this, Is that with farming, it needs to go back localized. I'll say that for the slow ones in the back. Farming needs to go back to localized. Okay? Because as long as you have these large farming conglomerates, they're going to want to keep Using that industrialized way versus having local farmers, because remember, local farmers got literally priced out and their businesses destroyed. Needs to go back to localized farming. And those local local farmers can create those food forests. And you can eliminate their, quote, quote, supposed and alleged nitrogen issue. So not only local farming, but also neighborhoods at the neighborhood level. I'm talking to the counties. We're in the U.S. Tap, tap, tap. I'm talking to the counties. The places that you have food deserts and you wanna play crazy, like you don't understand how to eliminate it. And all you have to do are, is sponsor community gardens, set up food forests, end of issue with there being food desert and food shortages. And, of course, you as an individual grow your food. Grow your your food, you know, as much as you have the time for and you can. Problem solved. There would be no issue with uh, this, quote, quote, supposedly and allegedly farming, harming the environment. Do not think for one second they don't know this. They understand that if you cooperate with nature, she knows what to do. They have plenty of examples of areas that were wiped out. And just with a little love, folks came back in and started planting stuff and left it alone and uh, mother like they do, took over and made it an abundance, literally created a forest. So there's no excuse for these shenanigans that they are pulling. There are even instances of turning deserts into a forest. So they're not going to convince me otherwise. If they know how to create rain, which they do, go look it up. They cannot convince me that they don't understand how farming overall needs to be revamped. They don't want to do that because they want a certain reset the way they want the reset to go. Okay, okay. So this is why you have to pay attention. You have to be aware and clearly aware of the food chain supply, and you have to understand how dependent or not dependent you are on these things, okay? All right, so just uh, one more thing I wanted to go over. Um, I pulled an article off of Dutch Review um, so it's saying, uh, this came out July 5th, and this is Dutch supermarket shelves go empty while farmers do exact opposite of their jobs and block our food, okay? So just to show you how vulnerable the food supply chain is, okay? So I'm not going to read through this article. I will definitely um, leave a link in the description for you to... Uh, read through it okay and she gives uh, some pictures of uh, a pretty bare shelf okay so uh, this is extremely important information family you really really need to pay attention it, it is extremely important we're talking whether or not your family can eat okay They showed us here in the U.S. how critical the uh, supply chain market and the food supply chain was during the pandemic. Don't think for one minute that they did not document that. Okay, now in my opinion, that was a test run. Okay, okay. So if you're asking, what can you do? Anybody that's wrong with me, you already know what I'm going to say. Number one, the first thing, of course, is awareness. Number two, you need to start linking up with local farmers. Okay. So that's going to require you to do a little research. Check out local farmer markets. Go to them local farmer markets. Get to know those folks. So you'll know who is who. And second of all, if you are involved in the political arena at your county level, at your neighborhood level, start asking, getting involved about community gardens. Okay. And thirdly, get your hands in the dirt. Start growing stuff yourself. All right. Solutions should come from the people, not government. Because make no mistake about it, this particular issue in um, the Netherlands. This is a global initiative they are trying to roll out because they want a global economy, which technically we already have a global economy, but they want to issue in the reset of their version of the new global economy, and the food chain supply is just one of them. Getting solutions from these conglomerates, these governmental agencies, which are really businesses, which are ultimately empires. It's never worked because it's not in your best interest. It's at the interest of that particular corporation, government, empire. Solutions are Always should come from the people. Being self-sufficient should come from the people. Supporting your local business owners as much as you can, because it, it, it is hard for your everyday items. It's absolutely hard. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to front it at all. Y'all probably heard that doorbell. I know that was Amazon at my door delivering a package. But as it relates to your critical needs, food is one of them. Start to understand locally who's the players in your area and the farmer's market is a great source to do that. And start experimenting on a small level to grow things on your own. If you really like uh, the political arena and you are involved on that side, put your foot on their neck and advocate for community gardens. Okay? All right, so I hope that you got some use out of this. Um, Again, I want to um, thank uh, the Epic Times. Uh, This article, I'll put a link in the description, is um, named Dutch Farmers Protest Policies That Could Drive Them Out of Business and Fuel Global Food Shortages. And I want to thank the Hill TV. Go over there and check them out. Um, I'll leave a link in the description for this video as well massive farmer protest rises up. So I hope you all got some value out of this. If you are not subscribed to us, I highly encourage you to subscribe, like, and share. I wish everyone well. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family.